today I'm pretty darn excited to start a new series called It All Started in a Garden. It All Started in a Garden. And I want to look at an idea that is simple but big uh, and to recognize that when God first placed mankind in their place, he chose a garden. It was, it was called the Garden of Eden. And I want us to look at a couple of verses of Scripture just to get some foundation laid so I can dive into some ideas here. But Genesis 2, 7 says, Then the Lord God formed man of dust from the earth, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living being. Then the Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground, the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. In other words, it looked beautiful, it tasted good. Anybody like good food? Come on, I do. The tree of life also was in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was there. Verse 15, then the Lord God took the man, put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. So the Garden of Eden was this paradise place that mankind was put into. It was mankind's place. Everybody say place. And if you would go to dictionary.com, uh, they would tell you that Eden uh, a definition would be a delightful place or delightful region, delightful dwelling, paradise, a state of great delight, happiness, or contentment, bliss. So what I want to lay down for us today is to recognize this. God's original intention when he created mankind was for us to live in a blessed condition in a blessed place. A blessed condition in a blessed place. God's first move when he created mankind was a move to speak blessing over them. And I've taught this a lot over the years, but I'm just laying some foundation stones for us to, to get this right. Because life can throw a lot at you, and you can start to wonder if blessing really is true north, that, that the blessing of God is what God really intends for people's lives. So in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, uh, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. It's good to know that you can rule over the creeps that are on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth. 
It's always been compelling to me to notice that God's first move when he created man was he blessed them. He said, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. In other words, I want you, your life is going to tend to increase. Your life is going to tend to grow. I want you to fill the earth. I want you to subdue, and I want you to rule in, in life. And I think it's important to remember that God's first move was not God created man and gave him a bunch of rules to live by, or that God created man and said, make sure you line up, or that God created man and said, I'm going to put you through a life of trials and hardship. That's why you're here. God created mankind with an intention to bless them, to bless him. A blessed life is the original intent of God. It's, it's, it's the default setting of God's intention toward our life. It's like when you are playing a, a game on your computer or you've got a, a program uh, in, on your computer or you're doing something and it, everything gets all kind of tangled up and everything, sometimes you just got to go back to the default setting. God's normal is blessed. God's normal is his hand on our life causing his super to be on our natural. His favor being on our world. But I think we all know the story. Man and woman made the choice to mess it up. And we've always got a choice to go with God or to go against God. So there was one thing that man and woman were instructed not to do, one tree they were told not to eat of, and that's where they were drawn. And the serpent um, uh, deceived them and tempted them and got them to to eat of the tree that they weren't supposed to eat of, so they disobeyed and they opened the door for making a mess. How many of you have ever made a decision that made a mess? Come on, any, some of you aren't even raising your hands. You know what? Don't lie in church, okay? Whatever you do. But what I love about our God is there's always instantly a plan for restoration. If instantly, God makes a move that is going to bring redemption and restoration, and he's got a plan in place. So just to say, no matter what has happened to you, no matter what you might have done, no matter what has taken place in your life, you've got to know that the original default position of your life is a blessed life. That's what God wants to bring you into. And the idea of looking at this whole concept of, of the Garden of Eden is I really believe that God wants to restore Eden to you and to me. And I would describe that as a blessed life in a blessed place. A blessed life put into a blessed place. That was God's first move. Why was God's first place for man to exist, for man to, to, to inhabit on the earth? Why was it a garden? 
I myself am not particularly uh, a gardener. As a matter of fact, that's an overstatement. I'm just not a gardener. I don't like gardening. I'm not into it, much to the chagrin of my little bride. I am not into the thing at all. I'd rather pay somebody to pull weeds than me pull weeds. But I know weeds need to get pulled. But what I started thinking about was this idea of the original intention of God was blessed life. An original intention of God is blessed place. And that's what God wants to restore into our lives. And I started thinking about this idea that the kingdom of God actually seems to operate more along agricultural principles than technological principles. Um, now, I love technology, somewhat addicted in some places, but I've started to think about this idea that there's way too many of Jesus' teachings and Jesus' stories and Jesus' parables that are agricultural that for me to, to, to just think, oh, it's because he lived in an agricultural society. I believe that our lives are more agricultural oriented in the way they're really lived than technologically oriented. Because technology is a beautiful thing, but ultimately life doesn't happen the way technology happens. Life happens agriculturally. So in a, in a technological era, you know, it, it's like technology is quick. But have you ever tried to lose weight? It does. Have you ever tried to get in shape? Have, have you ever tried to save money? Have you ever tried to develop a relationship? It's not quick. Technology seems to cut some corners. Uh, it, it, it seems to be instant. But I've discovered that real life doesn't work that way. And the Bible teaches us this idea, and I think most of us have experienced this. There are seasons in our life. There's seeds that we sow or don't. There's sowing. There's reaping. There's a season from the time you sow till the time you reap. There's fruit. There's fruitfulness. Abide in the vine, you'll bear much fruit. Apart from him, you can do nothing. But we're not apart from him. Hallelujah. Right? The soil, the condition of your heart matters. Jesus taught this great idea. The sower went out to sow the seed. One, one piece, he sowed the seed, and, the, and the, the birds of the air stole it away. In other words, I know that every Sunday when I teach this, somebody is not even going to get it at all. And then there's others who receive it with joy and go out and go, yes, but the first sign of any difficulty, they bail. And then there's others that Jesus said, you'll plant the seed, it'll start to grow, but then the cares of this world, uh, the riches of life, the worries about things will choke out the effectiveness of that seed. And then there's one quarter of people who actually hear the word and bear fruit. That's what Jesus said. And if you don't get that idea, you live in a state of disappointment all of your life because your expectations are false. So Jesus taught how important the condition of our 
heart is. The Bible talks about weeds that grow up in, in gardens that aren't tended. The Bible talks about rain and necessity for rain to fall from heaven. So what I want to lay down today is just the beginning of some thoughts about this idea. God's original intent for man is blessing. God's original place for man is a blessed place called Eden, a garden called Eden. So the, the word Eden in Hebrew has five strokes to the name. And, and those five strokes are utilizing these ideas. Eden is a spot. Eden is a moment. Eden is presence. Eden is an open door. You might want to take a picture of this one uh, and get off of Facebook while we're in church. Um, and Jeremiah. And then the... Uh, you see, hey, I've always heard the hen that cackled is the one that laid the egg, so that's just what I've heard in other situations. And number five, <laughs> stroke is delightful place. Spot, moment, presence, open doors, delightful place. So I want to take a few minutes and start talking about some of these. I want to talk about your Eden spot. Every one of us has gardens that God at, wants to bless. So his intention is to bless your garden, to bless your spot. And every one of us has gardens that God has assigned to us to tend to. That's our spot. That's God's assignment, just like he gave Adam and Eve, this, this spot to cultivate and take care of, it's our spot. So your garden could be your marriage, your kids, your calling, your job, your health, your finances, your friendships. And there may be other places that you locate that are, these are my spots, my gardens. I believe this idea that my spirit is my responsibility. In other words, it's not up to you, and I can't expect anybody else to keep my spirit in a good place, to keep my spirit grateful to keep my spirit in touch with God. Nobody can do that for me, right? I love delegation, but what I recognize is this. Nobody else can do my push-ups, right? My gardens are my responsibility. Now, I'm not alone in that responsibility because God is looking for a way to bless my gardens, right? To, to bless my marriage, to bless my kids, to bless my calling, to bless my friendships. But I think to locate your blessed place, you got to know 
there's some things that God has assigned to you. In other words, this is your circus. These are your monkeys. And there are some things, not my circus, <laughs> not my monkeys. And I've not been made, I've not been assigned that by God. So my marriage is my garden. What I sow into my marriage determines what I get out of it. So I get to decide, am I going to sow words of kindness and encouragement and affirmation and support into Suzette? Or am I going to sow words of harshness or picking at her faults? Not that she has any, but if she did... It's, it's my garden. My marriage is my garden. Nobody else, nobody else can be Suzette's husband but me. Nobody else can be my wife but her. And once I recognize my garden, my responsibility, the beautiful thing about choice is you have one. The difficult thing about choice is you have one. So you can choose what you do with your garden. You can choose. The, is, are you going to eat the apple or the cookie? I didn't even say that first service, so somebody must need that in this service here. You can choose what you do with your garden, your spot. And God's intention for all of your gardens, all of my gardens, is blessed, fruitful. Your true north, listen, no matter what life has thrown at you, no matter what has gone wrong, no matter what somebody has done to you, no matter what mistakes you might have made, your true north is to know this. God wants to bless my gardens. Come on. God wants to bless. And I recognize this. We live in the now but not yet. In other words, heaven will be entirely a different thing than life on earth. But I always want us to remember that a blessed life in a blessed place is God's original intent and God's ultimate intention for you. And I'm going to talk some more about that. I just wanted to get that started. The second idea out of this Hebrew word that's, that's Eden is the, the concept of moment. And I want to talk about your Eden moment, your, your Eden moment. I went, I looked up the word moment, and I thought it was interesting um, what you can find about moment. One is, moment could be a very short period of time. I'll be with you in a moment. 
How many of you ever heard your wife say that? I'll be with you in a moment. Just a minute. Which is about like saying, hey, I'm watching the ball game. It'll be over in a minute. So a moment is a very short period of time. And then a moment could be a particular time. Like I'm, I'm waiting for the right moment. And then a moment could be a big occasion. Your moment has arrived. So life is a collection of moments. Some of those moments are boring. Some of those moments are tedious. They are monotonous. They are daily. Sometimes the hard part about life is it's just so daily. It just every day, right? But some of our moments are spectacular. Some of our moments are singular. You got one shot. Some of our moments are special. And the, the Greek idea behind the word time is there's two words translated time. One is kairos. Those are the special God opens the heavens. Those are the special opportunities. Those are the, the moments that are unique, kairos moments. Then there's chronos moments. It's what you do every day. It's you pray and you just do it every day. It doesn't take a special thing. Just read your Bible every day. Eat healthy every day. Um, be kind every day. Love your kids every day. It's not special. It's just a, a thing. How you spend your moments... How, how you seize your moments, how you savor your moments, how you waste your moments, how you miss your moments, how we squander our moments, your spot in your moment is your Eden. And what I want to say today in relation to this is your Eden moment is now. So there's times and seasons in the garden of our world. We have all these gardens at our house and um, we have guys that we have actually hired to help us keep up and keep us to know how to take care of it. And, and what I know is that there are certain seasons where you trim back one plant but not another. And there are certain times where you cut things back and there's other times where it's a mistake to cut it back. And all of the 
gardens of our life, there's times and seasons. And there's, so there's a spring, there's a summer, there's a fall, there's a winter. And you got to be in sync with your season. Right? You don't, you, don't, you don't throw away your bathing suit, your swimming trunks in the winter because summer's coming again. Hopefully you can still fit in them. But so there's a season when your kids are little. But there's another season where the nest is empty. Right? There's, an, there's, a, there's some seasons that just seems like so busy. Some other seasons it's like not. There, there's a season where you start your business, start your career. And then there's another season where you're growing your business, your career. Then there's another season where you're maintaining what you've grown. And then there's another season where you're adjusting your business to new cultural trends. And what I'm, what I'm saying to you today is locating your Eden spot in your Eden moment is you got you to gotta live in the moment you're in rather than waiting for another moment. Because you don't have any idea what tomorrow holds. If you think you're in charge or in control of tomorrow, you are fooling yourself. But there is someone who is in charge and does know. And I think it's possible to be so focused on the future, when this happens, I'll be blessed. When this happens, I'll be happy. When this happens, I'll be full of gratitude. And some people are always looking to the future. And they're not recognizing that there is goodness from God ordained for where you are right now. And I think it's possible to look to the past and go, oh, the good old days. Oh, if only things could go back. If I could just shrink those kids back down again. I want to convince you, if I could, to recognize that if you, got, you can't be obsessed with getting something back, whether it was good or bad. And you can't be obsessed with what might happen that you're never embracing the goodness of God. In other words, you can look so far back and miss what's happening now, or you can look so far ahead and miss what's happening now. And I think if we would stop and say, I trust the sovereign goodness of God. I trust God's intention for life to be Eden for me, a blessed life in a blessed place. 
I think we might be able to locate something in the now that would do a lot of good for our soul. I think the problem, the problem with, like I've always had vision for the future, but I have to keep grabbing a hold of myself and realizing I can't just be looking to the future, thinking I'll be happy when I get there. Because there's been so many times I thought, when our church reaches this point or that point or this point, I'll be happy, and I got there, and guess what? I just wanted the next point. Can, can we get fixated on what God's actually doing instead of staying fixated on what we want Him to be doing? Can we stop and locate God's goodness in what's happening right now? You know, I teach this, taught at this earlier first service, teaching it now, and I look around the room and I recognize that for a lot of us, we go, I don't, you're, you want me to call this Eden? <laughs> you don't even know. And I, I'm, what I'm saying to you today is I do know. Because I definitely had chapters in the story of my life that I'm going, I know this is my story, but I don't want this to be my story. But it was. And when I will stop and go, God, you have promised to cause all things to work together for my good. And you are formulating goodness. That, how great is the goodness you've stored up for me? I would have despaired unless I'd believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And so, could I just say this? Hey, do it for your wife. Do it for your husband. Do it for your friends. Quit waiting for something else to happen to be happy, to walk in joy. Quit waiting for some supposed future God has blessing for your now moment the the amen the the blessing for the past moment is done it's over the blessing for the future moment is not here yet didn't Jesus say pray this our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day. Don't get worried about tomorrow. So I say this knowing this. I know it isn't easy, but it's the best. And I believe it opens us up to some incredible potential and possibility, what, whatever has happened to you, whatever has happened against you, hey, listen, whatever has happened for you, it's, that's in the past. You're in this moment now, and God has promised that he is going to work good in your life right now. Amen.
I, I want you to bow your heads, please, and close your eyes. And I just, I want to pray. I want to pray for you. Then I want to ask some of us to make a, a move. Father, as these words go out, I'm asking you to go beyond just the words, the ideas. Holy Spirit, that you will spark inside of us faith and a confidence that you are a good God, that your original intent is blessing, and your original spot is a blessed place. And I'm praying that you'll work through all the pain, all the struggle, all the questions, that we will recognize your redemptive power, your redemptive intention in our life today. Every head bowed, please. Every eye closed. You might be here today and you may have never actually surrendered your life to Jesus. I would love to pray with you. Let's, let's make that move. Maybe you're here today and you can look back on a day to say, man, I used to be so close to God, but I know I'm not today. I used to be so leaned in, but I'm not where I used to be, where I want to be, where I know I should be. I want to pray with you today. Maybe you just feel unsure about where you stand in your relationship with the Lord. Nobody's looking around. And really more important than me praying with you is for you to signal to heaven. But if that's you, if you say, I want to surrender to Jesus today, or I want to come back, or I want to know for sure I'm right with God, would, Pastor, would you include me in this prayer? I want you to lift your hand real high all over this room. Just a signal to heaven. God bless you, sir. Anybody else who just says, yes, I want to surrender to God. Yes, I want to come back. Yes, I want to be sure. God bless you, sir. Come on, anybody else? in this moment. Thank you for everyone who lifted their hand. I just want to pray. I want to like for all of us to pray these words together. Let's all say this. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I open my life to your love and to your Lordship. I need you. I want you in my world as my Lord. I know I've sinned, I've messed up, but I come to the cross where you have paid the price for my forgiveness. Today is a fresh start. It's a new beginning as I surrender to you. Help me become the person you created me to be. Amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord.